Good morning. How are you? All right. It's good to see you. So glad that you're here uh, today. And uh, we are continuing our sermon series in the book of James, talking about straight talk. Just want to know, by a show of hands, I'm going to put you on the spot, how many of you have at least read through the book of James two times since we've been doing the, the sermon thing? Awesome. That's great. Anybody more than that? Show offs. No, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Hey, I want to want to challenge you to continue to do that each week. It wasn't just kind of a one-time thing. Hey, see if you can read through the book of James. Do it every week. Just read through read through the whole book. Uh, I challenge in our life group to read through the whole book of James every week, and then the specific verses that we're going to be talking about that week. I'm asking them and challenging them if they would read those verses every day. So the whole book of James in the week, and then whatever passage we're focusing on, that they would read that every single day, so that it just becomes more and more familiar and you're able to we're able to talk about that so i want to i want to challenge you to continue to do that it's a good thing to be able to to uh read god's word and talk about it with others and those of you who are in the life group i hope i know i've heard some good stuff that there's a lot of a lot of good things going on and uh it's a it's a great book to study because it's so personal and it just kind of hits home so it's good we all need a swift kick every now and then so i'm going to read this morning a passage that we're going to be looking at is in uh, James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. I'm just going to read those if you would follow along with me. If you don't have your Bible, the uh, Scripture's on the screen. Of course, we encourage you, bring your Bible. That way you're familiar with seeing where it's at in your Bible and you're not just accustomed to looking on the screen. Who knows? Maybe the electricity is going to go out one week and we're not going to have this up. Or maybe we're going to... Chris says, no, that's not going to happen. We've got backup generators just in case it happens. So bring your Bibles, but we have it on the screen for you. If you don't, if you don't have a Bible, let me know. We'd, be, we'd, love, we'd love to get you one if, if you don't have one. Verse 19, it says, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself righteous and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now, I want to talk to you this morning just about some of the things that are in here and hopefully be able to um, say some things that will ring a bell for you and help you as you continue in your relationship with God. But here's something that, that I just want you to just think about as we start. As we live the Christian life, 
We're talking about being a Christian and living the way that God wants us to live. Here's something that, that I think is true. When it comes to living the Christian life, we are our own worst enemies. <laughs> when it comes to living the Christian life, we are our own worst enemies. We're the ones who are the biggest problem for us. I am the biz- biggest obstacle for me. <laughs> now, I know there's a lot of evil in the world. Yes, the devil's real, and yes, he does. Believe me, you know, I think we've experienced some of that in the last several months of our lives. I know that that's real. But when it comes down to it, I think I am my biggest enemy when it comes to living the Christian life and doing what God wants me to do. Here's what I want you to think about. As we read this passage, here's what we need to know. This passage is about the believer, okay? So if you're here this morning and you're not a believer yet, guess what? You know, your toes don't get stepped on really as, as bad as what we're going to step on the toes of everybody else who already believes. You can sit back and point fingers and laugh at everybody else for right now. But hopefully you'll come to that point to where you'll be a believer and then we can step on your toes too because we want equal employment here. We want to step on everybody's toes equally, right? So the idea is this is to believers. These are to, this is to people who say they believe in Jesus Christ, people who have trusted their life to him, who have uh, accepted his forgiveness for their sins, and it's written to believers. And it's not about being a witness. Now, this is kind of funny because in our group Wednesday night, we, we actually discussed this passage. And when we talked about it, we read the verses, and we started talking about, okay, what does this mean? And immediately the conversation went to this. Well, this means that we need to we need to do what God says because if we don't do that, then we're a bad witness and then other people won't see God in us. And it, it went that whole direction of I need to walk the walk and talk the talk, talk because people are watching and I need to be a good witness. Now, that's a good thing, obviously. The Bible teaches that, right? But when you read these verses, that is not what this is talking about. This has nothing to do with doing what God says because you need to be a good witness. This is about us. This is about doing what God says so that, it tells us later, and we'll look at it in a minute, so that we'll be blessed in what we do. Now, obviously, being a witness is good. But this is talking about us doing what God says. And we do it for the sake of, he tells us, to not deceive ourselves. Look back in verse 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word, and so, read the next part with me. And so, read it again. Right. It says, do not merely listen to the word and not do it so that other people will see you and you'll be a bad witness. It says, don't just merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Don't don't just listen to the word and pretend like you're some kind of good religious person because you're somehow in a place to where you're hearing God's word or maybe you read it from time to time and show up from church to church every once in a while and you hear a you hear a sermon and he's saying don't just merely listen to it if you do just merely listen to it you're doing nothing but deceiving yourself so this is what I want you to think and I want you to we don't often encourage you to do this but I want you to think as a believer this morning, this is about you. We, we, we always say, it ain't about you, it ain't about you. And that's true the majority of the time when we're talking about things that God wants us to do because of what the impact that it has on others. This passage is about you as a believer. 
And so he's talking to you. So I don't want you to be listening for somebody else this morning. Even if you really feel like you need to in a really big way, resist the urge to nudge the person beside you because you're listening for them and you think they ought to hear that. Don't do that this morning. I want you to listen for you. Listen to what God has to say for you as a believer. So in verse 22 it says, Don't merely listen and so deceive yourselves. And then look in verse 26. Verse 26 says, If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, read the rest of it with me, he and his religion is worthless. Not that it's okay, it's mediocre, it might do in a rush. It says it's completely worthless. If we say that we believe and we consider ourselves to be a believer, yet we do not keep a tight rein on our tongue, it says our religion is worthless. The two go hand in hand of, and the idea is this, as the Bible says here, that when we hear God's word, the idea is he's not just giving it to us so we can have some good little fuzzy, warm, fuzzy little thing to hold on to. It's there for our lives. It's there for us to do. It's there to change us. It's there to help us. So when we uh, deceive others, and that's not, a, you know, that's not a good thing to do. Have you ever deceived somebody else? <laughs> that's, not, you know, that's not a good thing to do. But listen, when you and I get to the point to where we deceive ourselves, that's bad. It's, it's a dead-end street. It's, it's not good. And the Bible says here that if we do the things that God says and we stick with it, it says we'll be blessed in what we do, which makes me think the opposite. If we don't do what God says and we don't stick with it, we're not going to be blessed in what we do. So there's a definite correlation here between doing what God says He wants us to do and us being blessed and for us to take heed that it's not always just about, well, I better do this because so-and-so's watching it. It's for us. It's for our benefit, which also translates to other people, but it's for our, our, our benefit. Sometimes, I don't know about you, um, but, but we're, I'm pretty good about justifying things that may be in the gray area. Are you good at that? You know, we can come up with all kinds of good excuses to go ahead and feel good about doing something that maybe we, we know we shouldn't do, but then we can come up with all these things. We're, we're good at making excuses. You know, we're good at deceiving ourselves, and sometimes we don't even try to. We're just good at it. It reminds me of a story that I heard a long time ago as a pastor by the name of Fred Craddock, and he's a really great preacher, really good storyteller. And he tells this story of when he was a, when he was a young boy, and him and some of the kids in the area used to play hide-and-seek together. You know, they would, they would all get together and, and everybody's going to hide and somebody is the person who's supposed to be finding the rest of the people that's hiding, right? And he, he, was, he was just so good at it. He said he could always find these good hiding spots. And one time when they were playing the game, he said that he, uh, he found this nice little hiding spot. It was in a barn that, on the farm that they were playing on. It was in a barn. It was underneath a stairwell that went up to the hayloft, and underneath that stairwell was a, just a nice little nook, and it was covered with a graded board. But he had found a way that he could get into that. And so come time to play hide-and-seek, he scurries off to the barn, crawls into the little nook underneath the stairwell, and he's hiding there, and he's just laughing to himself the whole time. This is the best spot. This is an awesome spot. 
nobody is ever going to find me here. This is awesome. So he's just sitting there all tucked away, you know, you're trying to be still and make sure that, you know, you don't give yourself away. So he's sitting there and, you know, minutes go by and more minutes go by and more minutes go by and he's still kind of excited and a long time goes by and he's in, the, he's in this little nook and he's, and he's hiding and he's saying to himself, they're never going to find me here. They're never going to find me here. He said, then it dawned on me. They're never going to find me here. So then he would begin to stick a toe out of the graded board and something to try and give himself away so that he could be found. I think that sometimes, if we're not careful, we can be so, become so good at deceiving others about who we are, what we do, and especially when it comes to religious stuff. We can become so good at deceiving others that we begin to believe those lies ourselves. And we deceive our own self into thinking that we're something we're not, that we're doing something that we don't really do, that we're portraying ourselves as we're somebody that, that we not, we're really not. And we've done that for so long, and we've played the games, and we've done the religious activities, and we've come to church, and we've signed up for the Bible studies, and we've done all the things that we're supposed to do, and we smile and we shake hands with people, and every now and then we may even take a meal to somebody who's sick, and we say all the right things we're supposed to say. And, and deep down, if we really take a hard look, we know that's really, we're just putting on a fake. We've deceived other people, and then we believe those lies, and we can even deceive ourselves. So the Bible is telling us, the idea of don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. We have to do what it says. Now, it, we get uncomfortable talking about doing what God says because people want to equate, well, are you saying that salvation is by works? And, you know, James, the whole book of James is talking about, you know, faith without works is dead and there's action. And we're not talking about a works salvation. We're not talking about there's something you can do to earn salvation. This is talking about once you have received that free gift of salvation, that should reflect in our lives in the form of action. We should be doing what we are learning. We should be doing what God's Word says. And we have to be careful that we don't put up the front and then deceive others, and then we also deceive ourselves. It's, um, if we, here's, here's kind of a way of thinking about it. If we deceive ourselves... The chances of anything else ever changing are slim. If we deceive ourselves, the chances of anything else ever changing are slim. Let me give you an example. Anytime that you have a problem with anything, especially, we're maybe more familiar with hearing this, if we think about people who have addiction problems, what do we say about that? In order to get help, the first step is to recognize what? The first step is to recognize that I have a problem. If we deceive ourselves, we're not going to recognize that we have a problem. And if we don't recognize that we have a problem, we are not going to seek help and things are not going to change. Would you agree? Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been on the, on the, on the giving end of someone who had a problem. And you could see the problem and you're giving and you're giving and you're trying to make them change and you're telling them all the things that they have to do and you're providing all the resources and you're doing all you can do to make them change. And it seems like it might work, but then it's just a matter of a short period of time until they are right back where they were or even worse than when you started. That person, those people, we 
will never change until we first recognize that there is a problem. And if we live our lives on the spiritual end of things with religious activity and deception of others and we deceive ourselves, things are not going to change. We're just going to go on through life thinking everything's okay because we begin to believe our own lies. It's become so familiar with us. And that's what happens in other areas when people have problems. Somebody who's, somebody who's a compulsive liar. And everybody around them is trying to tell them, hey, that's not true, you're just making that up, there's no way, oh no, it's true, it's true. And a person who lies like that says enough lies and tells enough lies that they begin to believe their own lies. And you can't tell them any different. And the only way that it would ever change is for them to come to the understanding is that I have a problem. I am telling lies, I am telling things that are not true, I'm deceiving my own self. Then you have the possibility for something to change. People who are addicted to drugs, it's the same kind of thing. You can try and try and try and try to help them, and we should try and help when people have problems like that. But the real change is going to come when they recognize they have a problem and they take responsibility for that and trusting in God's help and other people and everything else. Then they have the option to change. Apart from that, it's just slim to none that it's ever going to happen. So we have to be careful that we don't live our lives in such a way that we deceive our own selves, that we put up a religious front when we come to church and everybody sees us one way, but really we're, we're not really living that way, but we've, we've, believe, we've made ourselves to believe that we really are, but we're not doing things that match up to what we say. So we have to be careful that we don't uh, deceive ourselves. Okay, so how do we do that? How do we keep from deceiving ourselves? How do we keep from doing that? This scripture, this passage mentions two things. And the two things are to keep a tight rein on your tongue. And I'm going to skip over that one because in a couple of weeks, Blake is going to tackle that subject. It's not in this passage, but it's in another chapter where it's talking about the tongue. And so I'm just trusting that he is going to say everything that needs to be said about keeping a tight rein on. No pressure, Blake, but, you know, you just got to say it all. But I, I'm going to let Blake talk about that in a couple of weeks. But just you can just read that, and, and without a whole lot of explanation, I'm sure you can think of some things that come to mind immediately, the idea of what it means for you to keep a tight rein on your tongue. You go back in the other verses that we started off with in verses 19 and following there, and it talks about uh, being careful what you do and, and quick to listen and slow to speak. And, and the anger issues that come up that don't produce what God is intended to be produced in our lives, those things are all connected. So one of the things that he mentions is keeping a tight rein on our tongues. And the other thing that I want to focus on this morning is where he talks about in, in verse uh, 22 there. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So keeping a tight rein on your tongue and doing what God's word says. Now, you would, think that, uh, you would think that we wouldn't need to explain that very much, wouldn't you? I mean, that's, that's pretty, you know, we're talking about straight talk. That's pretty straight, isn't it? Okay, what does do what God's Word mean? Well, what it really means is that it just means we should do what God's Word says. What does God's Word say? Fill in the blank. Read God's Word when God has commandments and things for us to do. That's what God's Word says. We need to do that. How do we apply that to our lives? Uh, how do we make that real to what's going on instead of, as it says, merely just listening to it, listening to it and going on our way? So verse 22 says, do what the Word says. And then, um, then it says that we should look intently 
into his word. And that's kind of what I want to focus on for the next next few minutes of looking intently into God's word. That verse, uh, as we read that, it says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 23, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets uh, what he looks like. But, verse 25, the, man, the perfect law that gives freedom, um, I'm sorry, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law. That, that word basically means it's, it's not just to look over, you know, to look kind of generally. It is to... To take a closer look. It means literally to stoop down and take a closer look at. So it's not just a general, oh, I see something over there. It's let me put the magnifying glass on that thing and let me let me zoom in so I can really see what that is. You know, you football fans, you know, it's it's like the uh it's it's like the guy who catches the pass in the end zone for the winning touchdown, and it's debatable whether or not he was in bounds when he came down. And so from the general field, people can say, oh, yeah, and maybe the referees even call it a touchdown or they say it's not a touchdown, and then it's challenged. And what they do is, and you'll see the replays on the TV, man, they go back and they show you every ca uh, camera angle they possibly can, don't they? Was he foot down? Back it up. Make it forward. Back it up. Go, go forward. Was it down? Yeah, it was down. Yeah, it was down. Then after... Further review, the referees say. They've looked at that closely. They've zoomed in on that. They've honed in on that. And then they make a call. Now, you can still argue whether it was right or not, but at least they made a call on what they've seen, right? That's the idea when it says look intently in, into, into God's Word. It's not just, oh, yeah, I think, I'll just, I think I'll just do this Bible study because I don't have anything else to do and that day of the week's free and, you know, maybe I'll get to know a few people. Um, well, today, let's see, this is... You know, this is the end of September. The water at the lake's kind of getting cold. I don't want to go skiing or anything today. The fish are really not biting that good right now. We just went camping last week. Um, I get tired of going to the flea market on Sundays. Why don't we go to church? That's a good option. It's not just that. I, it's not just an afterthought. Looking into God's Word intently is is that we're doing it on purpose. That we're doing it in a way that says, hey, I mean to do this. I'm stooping down. I'm looking closer. I'm digging in to find out what God's, what God's Word says. And so that's what I want us to talk about. And just think about, uh, think about this, that I believe, and I believe God's Word teaches, and I, I believe it to be true, that God's Word changes us. It changes us. That God intends for His Word to be a part of our life so that he can use it to change us. When we accept Him as our Lord and Savior, there's immediate change in our life. But then there is this transition that happens all throughout the rest of our lives where if we will allow God's Word to dwell within us and for Him to change us, we will continually be growing closer to Him and becoming more like Him. Not perfect, not having it all together, still messing up, still failing in areas, but striving toward doing what He is calling us to do. And I, I often think of it as, um, if you've done anything, if you looked at Richard Swenson, and we did a life group a while back about margins, and I've looked at some other things, and there's two things in life that, that I think are important when you think about change and transition. Change 
happens very quickly. Change is something where there was something here and now something is different and now it's not. There's a change that happens. A change happens when a person is not a believer in Jesus Christ. They don't accept Him for the forgiveness of their sins. They're living their own life. They're living their own way. Change happens when they recognize that Jesus died on the cross. They accept Him as as forgiveness for their sins. They trust their lives to Him. There is an immediate change from death to life when that decision is made. Transition happens after a change, and then you live out and deal with the consequences of what the change has brought. So in our Christian lives, I view that as there's been, if you're a believer, there's been a definite time where there's been a change in your life, and that transitioning period is now you're living that out and letting God change you and and make you into the person that He knows that you should be. And that's where the spiritual growth comes and the discipleship and all of those things we talk about when we talk about uh, wanting to grow and wanting to be more like Christ, when we talk about living the Christian life, not just saying about the Christian life, and talking about the Christian life, but living it out, and as James says, that we are doing it. So God's Word changes us. It transforms us. And the only way that it will not do that is if we just give it a mere cursory look and don't allow it to be a part of our lives and that we don't do what it says. So here's something to think about when we're talking about looking into the Word intently. Think about this statement. To look intently, we must be intentional. To look intently to God's Word, we must be intentional. It's not going to happen by accident. If you want to zoom in on something, if you're on the computer and you're on Google Maps or something and there's a road or a street and you've got this little button over here where you can click and you can zoom in to have a better look at that, at that street, that is not going to happen by you just staring at the screen and hoping that it becomes clearer. You have got to click the button and you've got to zoom it in to where you can really see what's going on. It's not just going to happen by accident. If, if um, like when I get up here sometimes and uh, I can't see the words on my page because I have more birthdays. That doesn't change anymore by me squinting. (laughs) My arms are now not long enough for me to be able to read that. I've had to make some adjustment in my life. (laughs) And it's, it's either glass, it's something that magnifies that to be able to make that clear. It's not going to get clear on its own. Looking intently into God's Word will not just happen in your life just because you say that you're a believer. It's not like you can check that off your list and now all of a sudden you're going to be this spiritual guru who knows everything because you claim to know Jesus Christ. Looking intently into God's Word is intentional. You have to make a plan to do that. You have to be on purpose. You have to do that. You have to look at God's Word. And James tells us not just look at it, but then apply that to our lives. And he says we do it. And that's when we change. That's when we grow. That's when we learn more. That's when we quit deceiving ourselves and let God's Word reveal areas of us that are messed up, that need to be fixed, and that need to be changed. So we look intently into God's Word, but that has to happen intentionally. And here is a way that I think that we deceive ourselves when it comes to that. We'll say things like, or maybe you wouldn't, but you know people who would. 
I know God's Word says to forgive. But you just don't know what they've done to me. So I'm not going to. And man, that, that's awesome. That sounds good, doesn't it? It even feels good because you can just relive all the anger that you have for that person who's hurt you. And you've justified the idea that I know God's Word says to forgive, but I'm not going to because I have an excuse. I know God's Word says to witness to other people, but I don't speak well. Just look up the life of Moses. Just study Moses, Moses if that's your excuse. I know God's Word says to witness to people, but, you know, I just, I just don't know enough, and so I'm not going to do anything to know anymore, but I'm just going to hold on to the excuse that I don't know enough, and then I feel good about not witnessing because really I don't know enough, and I wouldn't want to be a bad witness for God or say something that was incorrect, so I'll just say nothing and keep that as an excuse. I know God's Word says to witness, but, and then we make up this and we deceive ourselves. I know God's Word says for me to tithe, but you don't know the bills that I have. You just don't understand my financial situation. I know God promises to bless me if I do, and I know God's Word says all of this, but here's, here's my situation that's different from anything than the Creator of the universe could have thought of from the beginning of time. You know, he, he left out, you know, he thought of everything, but he just didn't realize there was this one situation I was going to be in that I don't think is included in everything, Right? So I know God's Word says the tithe, but here's why I'm not going to. I know God's Word says to love others, but I'm just not going to do that because there's just some people I like to hate. <laughs> right? Now, you can go on and on and on, and I can too, and you can fill in the blank, and there are things in the Bible that, that are sure things that God says, this is what we should do. These are behaviors we should have. This is the way that we should be with other people. And we are deceiving ourselves if we think we can say, I know that, but God's going to understand if I don't do it. Now, hopefully, God works on us enough and we get to the point, and I know situations where it's happened where people have not forgiven people, and then they realize they're going to and they should, and what a difference it's made in their life. When people haven't ever witnessed to anybody and they decide this is what God wants me to do so I'm going to start doing that and they see how it makes a difference in the lives of other people and they wonder, gosh, why hadn't I been doing this all along? I know people who have said tithing is just a way of the church to get my money and I'm not going to do it and then they've realized that we don't want your money. It's something that we want you to be obedient in and God says to do that and you do that and then you are blessed because of that. Not that God rained down a million dollars because you gave some, but just in your conscience and in your spiritual life and in, in, your, in your life before God, you can stand there and know that you're doing what He wants you to do. What a blessing that is. For people who really had grudges against other people and were going to hate them forever and then realizing and being convicted that God's Word says, I can't have that hate in my life and claim that I love God but yet hate my neighbor. I've got to do something about that and let God work with them in such a way as that they can come to a place of forgiveness and learn to love that person. And what a difference that it makes in their lives. How crazy is it for us to say, I know what God's Word says, but I'm not going to do it. How many of you are parents? 
how well does it set with you when your child has said, I know what you want me to do, but I'm not going to. Does anybody like that? <laughs> you know, do you give them extra allowance because they've been disobedient to you? Well, at least they were honest. They said they weren't going to do it. You may not do it, but you're going to be holding your hiney not doing it, right? As parents, we understand that fully. How ridiculous to look into the face of the person who gave you birth and say, I know this is what you're asking me to do, but I'm not doing it. How ridiculous. How crazy is it for us to look into the eyes of the creator of this universe and the one that we claim to save our lives from death and say, I know you know what's best for me and I know this is what you want me to do, but I'm not going to. I'll tell you how crazy it is. It's just as crazy as James 1.23. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. That's how crazy that is. How many of you could not identify your own self in a lineup? You might be a redneck if <laughs> that would be a good one, wouldn't it? I mean, think about that. How many of you could not recognize your own self? Babies recognize their own self in a mirror. That is ridiculous to think that you could or I could look into a mirror and walk away and then pass by another mirror sometime that day and say, Who is that? Whoa. There's somebody in that store. Isn't that crazy? How ridiculous that is to think. And, you know, and I think the idea is if we look intently into God's Word, we are going to know more what God wants from us and what God wants us to do, and that is when we should do it. So the more we know, the closer we look, the more opportunities that He has to change us in our obedience to Him. And it's awesome. It's not a burden. It's not always easy, but it's not like, oh, gosh, I've got to be obedient to God. I mean, you know, it shouldn't be that way. Maybe sometimes it's that way. But it shouldn't be that way all the time, right? But just to know that I'm looking intently into God's Word, and because I'm doing that, I know what God wants me to do. And now that I know what God wants me to do, I am called to do it, not to make excuses but to do it, not so that God can say, oh, look, i got a bunch of robots. I'll just say jump, and they say how high on the way up. The Scripture tells us the, the motivation behind that is so that we will be blessed in what we do. That, and that word means happy, that not, not, a, not a surface happy, like he's talking about surface religious activities, but it's talking about a deep sense of joy and fulfillment and happiness of knowing that I've been obedient to God. How many of you have, know that feeling of doing exactly what you knew God wanted you to do. Anybody ever done exactly what you, wanted, you knew God wanted you to do? Do you know how that feels, regardless of the circumstances or how it turns out? Do you know how that feels when, when I can walk away and breathe a sigh of relief and say, oh, man, that was awesome. That was exactly what God wanted me to do. How many of you also know the opposite of that? <laughs> Yeah, of knowing this is what God wants me to do. I did not do it. You walk away from that situation and you just have this, 
weight on you like, I cannot believe that I didn't do what God wanted me to do. And so the idea is not so that God can boss us around or you can become a robot or somehow God can brag about, watch, I just say this and they do that. The idea is blessing for us. That if you do that, it, it's good for you. It makes us happy. Now, it, the passage is about you, and it's not, like I said, about you know, being a witness to others. But would you agree that if you and I, as people who claim to be believers, are walking around as happy people, fulfilled because we're being obedient to God, do you not think that would make a difference in those people who haven't yet met Jesus? It's still not the motivation according to this, this passage, but man, this is just an awesome thing because that is in the Bible and other places. So the idea of walking away and not for, and forgetting what we, we look like is, is ridiculous. Now, uh, Shelly, my wife, Shelly, my beautiful wife, Shelly, and I have been married for 20 years, 21 in January. We'll be married. We will be married. And um, here's the thing that I know about her. I could recognize her in a lineup. Hope I don't ever have to. <laughs> but I could. Right? So that's just not even recognizing myself. That's somebody that I've been around intently, intentionally for 20 years. I can recognize her. There are things about her that I know. I would even, guarantee, I would even uh, if I was a betting man, I would place a bet. If you would take my wife's hands... Uh, in a line with thousands of other women where if I walked by, the only thing I could see were her hands. I feel very confident that I could pick out her hands unless her mother is right beside her. <laughs> or if her mother's in the lineup, that might throw me for a loop. But I feel very confident that I, I know her that well of being married to her for 20 years, intentionally being around her, building a relationship as tough as it is and good times, bad times, ugly times, all that kind of stuff. I guarantee you I could recognize her hands out of everybody else that's in this room and a bunch of other people that I've never even met. It's the same concept with God's Word of looking into His Word intently. To be able to pick up God's Word and zoom in on it and read it and study it and put it into our lives. And when we come across things that are behaviors and things where we know this is what God is saying I should do, that we don't just skim over that and say that's probably meant for somebody else. That's probably meant for the people who are more serious about religion and blah, blah, blah. To be able to look at it and say this is for me. This is what God wants for me. And this is, He wants this for me because... He wants me to be blessed. He wants me to be a person who is happy, not superficially, but he wants me to be a person who deep down has a sense of peace of not only knowing that I say that I believe in him, but my actions back up what I say. And I am living that out, not deceiving other people, and especially not deceiving myself. To look intently into God's word, to study that and to know that so that it changes us. So here, here's what I want you to do this morning. I have, a, I have a challenge for you. I'm going to ask the band if they'd go ahead and, and make their way up here. And this is what I want to ask you to do as they're coming up. I want you to close your eyes. 
I'm not going to make you do anything that's going to embarrass you or anything. I just want you to close your eyes so you can tune out. Tune out to distractions as best you can. Just focus on you and God. Close your eyes. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to evaluate your own life. If you say you are a believer, I want you to evaluate that based on what you do. Just go through your mind right now. I say I'm a believer. How does that show up in my life? Am I doing what I know God wants me to do? Just think about that for a second. How are you doing what God wants you to do? Now here's the other thing. You have to take church attendance out of that equation. Just minus coming to church as something, although that is important, and God wants us to gather together. It's clear in Hebrews that he says for us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But if you had to minus that one, how would you evaluate yourself? Are there still areas you know God wants you to forgive and you're not doing that? Witnessing, giving, the areas that I mentioned. You can think of areas that I didn't mention. Are there areas that you know God wants you to do and you are refusing to do them? If that is true, the Bible says you're deceiving yourself. And it's just a matter of time before it catches up with you. Imagine what your life would be like if you did what God said. Imagine what this world would look like if all believers would do what God's Word says instead of just merely listening to it. Now you may this morning be able to say, man, I am on track. There are things recently that, that God has done with me and I've responded and I feel so great about that and that is awesome and you just praise Him and thank Him that He's allowed you to do that. There may be others of you struggling and you say, yeah, there's, there's this one thing I've been struggling with for a long time. I'm just not willing to let go of it. And until you do, until you do what God is asking, you are just continuing to deceive yourself. Pray that God will help you to make that decision to do what you know He wants you to do. Imagine what that would be like in your life. I'm going to give you just a second of silence, but you may want to respond. You don't have to come down front, but you can if you wish. And I want to challenge anybody here this morning, if you're not a believer, your first step of obedience is to trust in what God has said He has done through the person of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That is what God wants you to do. And that's where you can start. I'm going to give you just a minute. If you want to talk about that later or you want to come down now, you do that. And then I'll have a time that we close.
Thank you for being here this morning. If you would stand, I want us to have a closing prayer together, and then the band is going to play. But if you would stand with me, and only if you mean this, I want you to say this out loudly, okay? I want us to say the prayer together. God, help us to do what you say. Can we say that together as loud as you can? This is our prayer to God this morning. God, help us to do what you say. Ready? God, help us what you say. Amen.